Good morning. It's good to be here today. That's a great video, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, today, like Beth was saying, we're going to talk about the presence of God. And I just want to start by saying that, you know, earlier I was praying, and I felt God saying to me, Levi, when you talk about the presence, you know, we're talking about not an energy, no force, no goosebump you feel, but it's about a person. The presence of God is Jesus Christ and Him in our midst. And that's where right after. So just bow down your head. It's okay for a minute. Lord, we, we thank you for your presence here in our, in our midst. We do ask right now that you would open our hearts to your word, that you would remove every single distraction out of our minds and out of our hearts. And would you just, Holy Spirit, reveal us Jesus this morning. Help us to find the man behind the word right now. We pray this in your name. Amen. So over the last few weeks, guys, we've been going over the vision series of the church. And we can believe that we can summarize what we are as a church in three statements. Do you guys know what you are? Come on, we've been pushing that. We are flowing the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are growing the family of God. And we are going into the mission and discipleship of Jesus Christ. The way, that's the way we want to exist as a church. We basically want to put the presence of God at the center of who we are and everything we do. Right? We believe that everything flows from God and goes back to Him. And He must be our primary focus. Jesus is our vision. So we place the God, the presence of God, God Himself at the center. We grow the family of God around the presence because the presence of God is what connects us, right? I'm from Brazil. Potentially, I don't have a lot of in common with you, but I'm here because of God. So what connects us, what builds us as a family is the presence of God. So we build the family around him and from that environment of presence and family, we are sent by him to the whole world, carrying the mission of Jesus Christ. We can see this biblically in Acts 13, verse 1 to 4. If you want to open your Bibles, but also it's going to be in the screen just behind me. Acts 13, verse 1 to 4. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch and of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called Black Man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod, Herod and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord when fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and more prayer, they lay, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. You know, I love this passage because that's when Paul was called by the Holy Spirit to be sent. And that's when he becomes really the missionary, the apostle Paul, planting church, writing down half of the New Testament. But I love because... He was part of this community in Antioch. There was a church. And first, there was a church that um, there were many people from different nations there. Gentiles, Jews. You can see here people from all over the place. And they gathered because of the presence of God together. You know, and I see this in Riverside. And here we have 
many nationalities, you know, South Americans, Africans, people from Asia, Brits, and we are all together because of the presence of God. You're not here because your work brought you here or because you're a uni student. You know, Jesus says that no one comes to me if the Father doesn't bring it to me. So I believe you are here because God brought you here for a purpose. And basically, in this community, they put the presence of God at the center. They gather around him with prayer, fasting, and worshiping. And from that environment, the Holy Spirit himself calls Paul and Barnabas to ministry, to work, to missions. I believe that God is going to start to call people to pray, to give, and to go to the mission fields from this place. As we live in this environment. So just before I keep on going with the message, I want to say that the planning for worship and prayer, for us to increase the, the worship on Fridays and praying with us throughout the week, is because we want the presence of God in our midst. We want Him to be the center. Jesus is our reason and Jesus is our vision. Because if God's not here, what are we doing? <laughs> right? No, once I heard a speaker saying that the success of a believer is faithfulness and obedience to God. But the success of a church on our community is the presence of God in their midst. That's our success. That's when we know we're doing right. The church doesn't need another church with great music, great speakers, good coffee, great socials. That's great. But Sorry, the words. But the words they need... A church full of God. They don't need the rest. The rest is good, but they need God. In Acts, um, Exodus 33, 15, it's going to be in the screen. So I'm not going to stop for it to open, but if you just do it. Moses understood that. One day Moses said to God, he said, look, God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us set us your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Moses understood that God's presence in the midst of his people is the most important thing. He was willing, he said to God, I'm willing to give up the promised land. If you don't go with us. He was saying all the prophecies and promises about what you're going to give us. I don't want it. If you don't go with us. Because Moses understood that God himself was actually the promised land. And that's what we're after. We're after God. I'm going to read from Psalm 132 verse 1 to 5. If you want to open. Also it's going to be in the screen. The psalmist writes. Lord... Remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel. I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. And I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord. A sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. You know, King David... Famous King David, he had a desire throughout his lifetime that consumed his heart. His desire was for God to dwell in Jerusalem. 
And somehow he wanted to build a house for God. That was his desire. But no, I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence that King David is also one they called the man after God's heart. Because I believe David grasped what is God's desire. He understood and he was after that. You know, throughout the Bible, throughout scriptures, you see that God wants to dwell among men. He wants to dwell among his people. The Garden of Eden was a place of encounter. The tabernacle was the place that God dwelled among his people. The temple and now the church. The whole Bible and in Revelation, heaven is going to meet earth again. And God wants to dwell among his people. And David grasped that. And during his lifetime, David built uh, the tabernacle of David. What is called the tabernacle of David. And the tabernacle of David, if you haven't heard about it, was basically a tent. Very simple. A tent with the ark of the presence of God in the center, which represented and carried the presence of God. He placed the ark in the center of a tent and he puts 24-7 worshippers around the ark ministering to him, worshiping God, praising God. And in that environment of the family ministering to God, many psalms are written. Many revelations were given. And it's a beautiful thing that went on for years and years and years. And what am I saying all of that? It's, it's because, you know, God said through the prophet Amos that on the last days he would restore the tabernacle of David. And actually, James, the apostle, quotes that in Acts 15. I'm saying that God didn't say, I'm going to restore in the last days the tabernacle of Moses, which was great. But if you notice, it was silent. There was no noise in the tabernacle of Moses. I'm not going to restore the temple of Solomon, which was great in all its glory. No, he said, on the last days, I want to restore a place where there is worship and prayer around me 24-7. That's God's desire. And I'm saying all of that because, you know, like, we want to respond to God's desire of dwelling among his people by building a house for him in Exeter. By building a dwelling place for him next year, next month, in this area. And for him to come and dwell among us. You know, you may say, Levi, that's great, but you know, I know that God's presence is everywhere. How can God come if he's already here? And I want to highlight that there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and what I, I like to call the manifested presence of God. Some people call that glory. Because of God's omnipresence means that God's everywhere all the time. And he knows all things. But there are times in Bible, in the Bible and in history that God decides to come to any specific place in time and show his manifested presence to a person, to a church, to a nation with local, national, and even global impacts. And that's what I like to call revival. Yes, God is omnipresent and he... He's everywhere and knows all things and he's there all the time. But there was a time that he would choose to come to the Garden of Eden 
to walk with Adam and Eve. There was a day that he came and wrestled with Jacob. Do you understand the difference between the omnipresence and the manifested presence? His omnipresence, but there was a day that he came to dwell on Mount Sinai. And he dwelled on Mount Sinai for a time that people couldn't even touch the mountain because God was there. There was a day that he filled the temple of Solomon to such a way that the priests had to stop the service. Yes, God is omnipresent, but there was a day that he came down to walk with Shradak, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire furnace. And yes, there was a day that he became flesh and came to dwell with us. And throughout history, over these last 2,000 years, we see time and time again, when God comes and dwells with a people and meets a nation or a village and with local global effects. You know, revival that we so talk about and pray about it is when God moves down to a city, to a place. And he moves down to transform things and make his dwelling place there. You know, and when God comes, things happen. And I'm not talking about only, you know, people shaking and falling. This is good. This is manifestation of the Spirit, and I, and I love that. But I'm talking about cities being transformed because God is there. Whole towns, cities, and villages being transformed. I dream to see like when God comes, pubs and nightclubs getting out of business. Crimes declining drastically. The ending of abortion. Criminals conf confessing their sins and, and crimes and repenting. When God comes, you know, I dream to see the ending of broken families. And domestic violence and divorce. Addicts finding freedom. The whole atmosphere of a place changing because God's there. That happened. I've brought here a, <clears throat> uh, just a, a speech, or sorry, a, someone wrote it down about what happened in Wales. You know, in 1904, God came to dwell in Wales for a while. And I'm going to read what happened in Wales here. And that happened in many times, in many times, in many places of the globe. But I brought here uh, some examples of places that are li literally very close to us. Now the whole of Wales was now affected. Hardened unbelievers were gloriously converted. This is 1904. Drunkards, thieves, and gamblers were transformed. Confessions of awful sins were heard on every side. Old debts were paid. Miners prayed together before commencing their shifts in the coal miners. Courts had few cases to try. Whole football and rugby teams got converted and matches were abandoned. The young men were more concerned with praying than playing. Dance halls were deserted. The pubs were empty and not a few went out of business. But the prayer meetings were crowded. That's what happened when God moves down to a place. That happened in the Hebrid Islands. You know, in 1949, the Scottish Islands. It was a revival sparked by two old ladies on their 80s praying. Praying hard. There's a description of what happened. And Mr. Campbell is a, a, one of the major figures of the revival. But as he was leaving the church, a messenger told him, 
Mr. Campbell, people were gathered at the police station. They are in great spiritual distress. Can anyone here come along and pray with them? Campbell went and what a sight met him. He found men and women on the road, others by the side of a cottage, all crying to God for mercy. The revival had come. You know, God, he was in town. He, he showed up in that place and people were just aware of their sins like that. And they went to the police station because they said, I've got to get my life right. <laughs> That's what happened. And, you know, what am I trying to say with all of that? Or you may, we may ask, like, how do we gather? That sounds great, but what do we do? How do we gather, you know? And i got to be honest, guys. I don't know. It is not black and white. It is not, but... I felt God saying that we are going after a place we've never been before. We've heard about it, we've read about it, but we've never been before. But we're going after this place. And there are a lot of, uh, there are a few things that, that mark every mighty move of God throughout history. Or every revival. And I would say, I could, I could summarize them in three. Is before the periods of a revival or during the periods of a mighty good of mighty good <laughs> mighty move of god you see one a lot of prayer and a lot of intercession people are praying before and after you see hunger for god arising a desire to have god it's not like I want God. No, no. I cannot live without you. Once I heard a speaker saying, like, you know, revival doesn't happen. It's because you can live the next years without it. You know, how much do we want God? You know, as the deer thirst for streams of water, so I long for you, oh God. That's what the psalmist said. So a lot of praying intercession, hunger for God. And the third one is repentance and brokenness. You see in the periods that comes before the revival and throughout the, the move of God, people repenting of their sins. Starting in the church and going outside the church because he's holy. And when the holy one comes, we've got to repent. You know, and I don't know, but maybe that's the pathway for us in 2023 here in the UK. If we want to see God, really want to see God moving. And I just want, I'm, I'm coming to an end if Chris and I just uh, go in the keys, if that's okay. I just want to finish with something that God spoke to me, I think specifically for us reverse hides for today. You know, um, there's a verse in Exodus 5.1, I'm going to just read. Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. You know, the people of Israel were in slavery for 400 years. For a long time, they were in slavery. And God heard their cry. And God sends Moses to, to go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, I want my people, God saying, I want my people to go to the desert and worship me there. Let my people go. That's, that's the context of the passage. 
And I believe that the Lord's taken us, the church, to a new level in worship and prayer, in His presence. And we need to move somehow to a new place and say, okay, I'm going to worship and pray you there. And what I believe is that the next season that we are coming in, in our individual lives, in our church life, both, will be marked with dependence on the Lord. When the people of Israel went to the desert, they became, from one day to the other, became dependent. They needed the Lord to have water from the rock, manna from heaven, cloud to protect them, a fire to keep them warm, the God to open the Red Sea. They needed everything. They needed dependence. I felt God saying that we have, became, we have become too good sometimes at what we do. Too good and too self-sufficient. I believe this next season will be marked off us going back to like recognizing and acknowledge our neediness for Him. And become dependent again and fighting on His strength and going on His arm and His authority. And the second thing I felt so is that this next season also is going to be marked by the joy of the Lord. When the people come out of the desert, out of Egypt, and they cross the Red Sea, Miriam and the woman they dance and and sing. You know, I've been experienced over this last, I would say, couple years, something that's slowly increasing on my personal time with the Lord, joy. Sometimes a joy that meets me and I can't explain. I just, I'm just there smiling. And I feel this is coming to our meetings, our services, and also to our prayer rooms, to our secret places. A joy that comes from Him. A contagious joy. And maybe that's also what the world needs out there. A world that's full with mental health and mental health problems and depression and so much. And I just felt that the response for us today, out of everything we've heard, it is the question that I have for you guys is, what is holding you back in Egypt? Because God said, let my people go to the desert so they can worship me. We cannot stay in Egypt and worship and live what God has for us out there. Well, Lev, that's too metaphorical. What do you mean? What is the sin that's holding you? What is the anxiety that has been holding you? What is the fear that is holding you? Or the addiction that is holding you? And believe me, God, 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 God doesn't want to judge you. He's here to deliver you. He is the deliverer. He goes and delivers the people from Egypt. So if you want to just bow down your heads, I believe that as I speak, the Lord's bringing to your mind and to your heart whatever is holding you in Egypt.
It may be something that's like, it's because of you, it's your fault. It's something you've been doing. It may be something that it's out of your control and it's still holding you in Egypt. It may be a trauma, something that was caused to you. A fear that you cannot stop. I just want to say, and I feel like speaking this over you right now. Let my people go. Right now, let my people go. I speak over every fear right now. Let my people go in Jesus' name. I speak over every pain, physical pain, emotional pain, every hurt. Let my people go right now in Jesus' name. I speak over every anxiety. Let my people go. Over every mental health problem. Let my people go in Jesus' name. Over every sickness and disease and illness, I speak in Jesus' name, let my people go. You are made for the Lord and to worship Him. Your identity is child of God. It's not child of Egypt. I speak to every conflict of identity and every struggle in in your sexual identity. The Lord loves you and he says, let my children go. Right now, I do speak over if there's anyone in here bound or tormented by any evil, any, any, any evil spirits. I speak right now, let my people go. And those that are bound by addiction, those that are bound by sinful practices, I speak right now, let my people go. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Speak to Jesus. Speak to Him. Jesus. Remember, greater is the one that's in you than the one that comes against you. So greater is the one that's in you than what holds you in Egypt.